Blog Talk Radio. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Welcome to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date is July 18, 2018. The United States of America, planet Earth, 
third planet from the sun. Yeah, that one never gets old because that was um, that was a time uh, when Obama was speaking at an event and his his uh, teleprompter uh, malfunctioned and he was forced to actually speak using his own brain and his his own thoughts and behold what that led to now this this is an actual fact that happened the the prompter crapped out and he had to actually speak off the cuff <sighs> when i hear talk about how president trump can't speak and how he's not presidential and how he's not polished and how sometimes he says um, wild and crazy things. I think about that moment. In other moments in the previous administrations, uh, the previous president's um, political, not political gaffes, his verbal gaffes came about almost exclusively when he had to actually speak without the aid of a teleprompter. Oh, okay. Well, let's get on with the show today. We're going to talk about socialism and how it's um, it's rearing its ugly head once again. I thought that we were we were done with this, um, that it had been at least put back, you know, in its place after the Obama administration uh, was, you know, after Obama was out of office, because as you well know. Both me and other um, internet radio hosts um, were extremely concerned about the possibility of socialism taking hold as a result of Obama's um, policies and you know the things that he espoused. You know, with his famous uh, famous quotes like, uh, "If you've got a business, you didn't build that; someone else did that, and someone else, you know." And and his quotes, um, and I quote. Uh, at some point, I do believe you made enough money, end quote. And a lot of us were left wondering, shaking our heads. Um, who is it? How is it that you, how, who are you to decide how much money is enough for anyone? You know, but uh, those kinds of things uh, had, a, had uh, a lot of conservatives, even moderates and even quite a few Democrats concerned that President Obama was, uh, you know, a little more socialist that he led than he led on, and of course that gave impetus to um, other Democrats, like, um, of course, Maxine Waters' famous or infamous quip that, uh, you know, at some point um, the federal government was going to take over all of the um, all of the businesses and run the businesses themselves, the government. Uh, she made that remark. I wish I had that handy, but I don't. So anyway, um, after after its hard left turn, would Democrat Party uh, would the Democrat Party officially admit it's socialist now? Um, the shocking, shocking primary victory of twenty eight twenty eight year old socialist Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, over Congress's number four. Uh, Democrat 
Joe Crowley underscores what we have long thought the Democratic Party or the Democratic Party is no longer a party of moderation. No longer. I mean, we're, this isn't uh, John F. Kennedy's party or, or even um, Johnson's party or even Bill Clinton's party anymore. It's become the party of the extreme left, and it's moving ever faster and farther leftward with each election cycle. Now, the 57% to 42% ass-whooping of Crowley looks like the death knell, not just for his political career, but for that of his mentor, House Minority Leader uh, Nancy Pelosi. Crowley, after all, was the hand-picked successor to Pelosi. Mm, not anymore. He had outraised his far younger opponent by 10 to 1, but Crowley, uh, he became complacent. He just decided that he had this one in the bag, and he wasn't going to go ahead and campaign, and he really didn't think that he needed to. You know, he had a lot of hubris going on with that guy, and he wound up taking an ass whooping. I think he's going to go in as a write-in candidate or, or something like that, or, or an independent or something like that. And if he does, he campaigns really hard, he might be able to maintain his seat, but we'll see. The drama continues. Ocasio-Cortez isn't a make-believe socialist. She belongs to the Democrat Socialist of America, a group that I, I admit that I'd never heard of until you know, she uh, her ascendancy um, as, a, um, as a viable candidate for the 4th District in New York City, in New York. And she had the – you know, she had the backing of Bernie Sanders. She was one of uh, Sanders's, um, you know, um, uh, acolytes. So uh, she um, she had the backing of Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, and uh, I think uh, they had a group called the Our Revolution Political Group. Our Revolution. Now, do they want a civil war? We don't know. It's a real concern to a lot of people. A new Rasmussen poll shows 31% of Americans think a civil war is likely soon, while 59% fear violence from Trump haters. That's pretty scary. But in all fairness, a lot of us thought the same thing. A lot of conservatives, conservatives thought the same thing when President Obama was president. We thought there were going to be a civil war, you know, conservative against um, – you know, uh, uh, Democrats. We, we all thought that. I thought that. I I, I had uh, shows um, produced, um, you know, touting that same theory. Which, uh, you know, but I don't. Given that um, these sort of fears uh, spring up, you know, in, in almost every election cycle. At least this past um, these past two election cycles with Obama and now Trump. Um, you know, I really believe that uh, a lot of this stems from this uh, vast divide in our country. We have um, the left, which is no longer moderate. Uh, now they're the extreme left. And now we have the right, 
which has become the extreme right. You know, um, there are there is, of course, a, a large moderate faction in the Republican Party, um, which um, we don't really see in the Democrat Party. I mean, uh, we, we have a couple of Joe Manchin and, and a couple of others who are moderate Democrats who uh, vote with the president from time to time. But, you know, largely they disagree on a lot of his policies, but sometimes they'll vote with him. And then you have the, the Democrats um, who – no matter what he does, they will not help him in any way, shape, or form. Take Maxine Waters, an influential Democrat who had this to say about civility toward the political opposition, the Republicans. She went on to say, uh, "If and I quote, if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station… You get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them. You tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere, end quote. Now, if that isn't incendiary at the least and unhinged at the worst, I don't know what is. I mean, what kind of person, a responsible person and a woman of her vintage, her age, um, wh- why would anyone get out and say if you see some another human being, another person, and say if they're shopping with their kids, out with their husband or their boyfriend, or just going out for a bite to eat or to put some gas in their car, go out and harass them just because – your political ideologies are opposite. They're still people, right? So as the violent rhetoric ramps up, like Trump official um, officials uh, Sarah Huckabee, Elaine Chow, Jeff Sessions, and, and others have been harassed in public and at their homes, threatened with violence and even thrown out of restaurants because they work for the White House, it shows what the left really thinks of our democracy. Is this a preview of what America will be like under a democratic administration? Think about this, folks. More and more over the last 10 years, Democrats have felt so so emboldened, have become so emboldened in their belief system and so entrenched in their belief system that they Open, they're openly hostile, hostile toward anyone who doesn't agree with their ideology. College campuses, um, students who are graduating either walk out or they'll shout down or they'll protest uh, conservatives com- coming uh, who, who, who wants to – who gives a um, – you know, who gives a commencement speech. Um, if you're a conservative student and you think differently from your instructor, you're most likely given a bad grade. Um, uh, conservatives aren't wanted on campuses, and I mean, it's it's the opposite of what Democrats preach in terms of tolerance and 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 and, and bringing people together and all that stuff that they talk about. It just seems like so much bullshit. Because they, 
either they, they believe it in being tolerant if you agree with them. I mean, yesterday I had a show where I talked about the uh, all the little letters for the lesbian, gay, uh, T, L, B, G, T, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, all those damn letters. So now we're inclusive of all of these people, I suppose, which I think they're just two people, but they all have they a lot of them go by different um, acronyms or something like that or different identification right gender identifications and uh i'm just struck by that you know they all kind of stick together because they all believe the same thing but let's say i want to identify myself as a republican do i get included in all that lgbt efg stuff can you throw in the r there for republican What is up with the future of this country and the future of the Democrat Party? That's my question. The call-in number is 646-668-8678, and you're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Of course, with me, Dr. C. Robert Jones. We'll be right back. Capitalism revolves around private property. Products and services are supposed to be provided by individuals who sell on the open market based on supply and demand. However, people like Karl Marx considered capitalism unfair towards the average worker and wanted to create a system in which everyone is equal. Marx said capitalism needs to initially be replaced by socialism. Under socialism, the state would gain control over the means of production, such as land and natural resources. In his view, socialism itself would eventually be replaced by communism, under which absolutely everyone is equal and the state doesn't even have to exist. So far, contrary to what most people think, communism, as defined by Marx, never materialized anywhere. Even in the USSR, you still had a state, and therefore, it was not something Marx would consider communism. It was still socialism. As of 1848, socialism spread to a lot of countries. This economic model, however, wasn't very efficient, as illustrated by the poor economic performance of the USSR and the countries under its sphere of influence. Today, that form of socialism only exists in isolated countries, such as North Korea and Venezuela. Instead, socialism is more, and we now have three main trends. One, Chinese socialism with a high dose of capitalism but no democracy. Two, democratic socialism such as in Northern Europe with democracy and private property but heavy redistribution through high levels of taxation. Three, socialism as a component of capitalism, present in countries such as the U.S. or the U.K., which lean more towards capitalism but still have state-funded social programs. As can be seen, pure communism and capitalism don't exist at this point, and instead we have various combinations between the two. In the contemporary world, it's taken as a given that capitalism, with its free market and profit motive, is based on selfishness and produces selfishness, while socialism is based on selflessness and produces selflessness. Well, the opposite is true. Whatever its intentions, socialism produces far more selfish individuals and a far more selfish society than a free market economy does. And once this widespread selfishness catches on, it is almost impossible to undo it. Here's an illustration. In 2010, the United States President, Barack Obama, addressed a large audience of college students. At one point in his speech, he announced that young people will now be able to remain on their parents' health insurance plan until age 26. I don't ever recall 
hearing a louder, more thunderous, or more sustained applause than I did then. Had the president announced that a cure for cancer had been discovered, it is highly doubtful that the applause would have been as loud or as long. But what were they so happy about? To be told that you can now remain dependent on your parents until age 26 should strike a young person as demeaning, not liberating. Throughout American history, and for that matter, all of Western history, the great goal of young people was to become a mature adult, beginning with being independent of mom and dad. Socialism and the welfare state destroy this aspiration. In various European countries, and now increasingly in the U.S., it is becoming common for young people to live with their parents well into their 30s and not infrequently beyond. And why not? In the welfare state, taking care of yourself is no longer a virtue. Why? Because the government will take care of you. Therefore, socialism enables, and as a result produces, people whose preoccupations become more and more self-centered. How many benefits will I receive from the government? Will the government pay for my education? Will the government pay for my health care? What is the youngest age at which I can retire? How much paid vacation time can I get? How many days can I call in sick and still get paid? How many weeks of paid paternity or maternity leave am I entitled to? The list gets longer with every election of a liberal or progressive or left-wing party. And then each entitlement becomes a right. But we're not done. There are even more destructive effects of socialism. Entitlements create citizens who lack a character trait that every human should have. Gratitude. You cannot be happy if you are not grateful, and you cannot be a good person if you're not grateful. That's why we constantly tell our children, say thank you. But socialism undoes that. After all, why would a person be grateful for receiving an entitlement? Who's going to be grateful for getting what they're entitled to? So instead of thank you, the citizen of the welfare state is taught to say, what more am I entitled to? Yet the left insists that it's capitalism and the free market, not socialism, that produces selfish people. But the truth is that capitalism and the free market produce much less selfish people. Teaching people to work hard and take care of themselves and others, and that they should earn what they receive produces less selfish, not more selfish people. Capitalism teaches people to work more. Socialism teaches people to demand more. Which attitude do you think will make a better society? I'm Dennis Prager. To subscribe right. to welcome our- back to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. All right, so listen. Remember yesterday I was telling you about uh, this friend I have who has um, her niece and uh, her niece's children and her niece's deadbeat boyfriend who have um, relocated from the great state of Michigan to Georgia. They're in their hmm, mid-20s, late-20s. And, of course, Mama and Dad um, uh, work in uh, out of the country, 
for the federal for the government and and uh so they're they're away for about uh, approximately ten months out of twelve, and so they have opened up their home to their daughter and her children. So now the daughter and the children have moved um, into the house, which is a really nice house. And uh, mom and dad stocked the fridge and made sure everybody had everything they needed. And then they went on back, you know, overseas. And so um, I've been told on a daily basis that, well, mom and dad periodically or consistently rather sleep until around noon uh they are not uh they don't seem to be in a hurry to go out and seek employment um they spend their time in bed a lot of the times and the little kids are running around and sort of doing their own thing um and uh there's a little 2 year old who barely speaks and um is just learning to count to 4 Mm, impressive and is still walking around with a diaper on it two years old and the other kids are just kind of doing their thing and you know I, I, I went over one time and just to just to check on everybody a friend of mine she's a friend of mine named Sylvia and um, and uh, you know the kids are up you know all of them uh, there are four of them and they're up and they come down and, you know, they have breakfast. And mom and dad are still upstairs. This is a weekday. Still upstairs in bed. And uh, when, when, I, when I think about these things, is how young people don't seem to have the get up and go and the drive to, to, to be successful. And how grown people, young adults. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not stating that every young person are like this, like this, like these two clowns, um, but a lot of them are. A lot of them are. They're, they, they just don't have any ambition. I mean, for me to be in my 20s or 30s and live in my mama's house, not pay any rent, not help out in any way. And chow down on food that's been put in the fridge. And then, instead of saying, well, this is a temporary situation for me. I'm going to go out. I'm going to work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to save my money. I'm going to move out. I'm going to do – and I'm going to do it pretty damn quick because I don't believe in living off my parents. They're, they're just not even remotely motivated to do any of that and worse not even to look after their own kids. And I I can't help but tie these real world real world circumstances to socialism. Think about it. In addition, for example, Democrats or or socialist Democrats or Democrats socialists of America or whatever they're calling themselves, and they have a model. And it you know, and and I'm, for example, let, let I'll move away from the, the the low the deadbeats uh, in, in McDonough, to to this to this topic. We're going to set way, and it's a rough set way. It's not even smooth, but we're going to move on. In addition to embracing violence, and the denial of such basic 
constitutional rights as free speech, freedom of religion, and the right to protect oneself, much of the Democrat Party now embraces a spat of far-left ideas. These include such winners as open borders. No borders. People can come into the country as they please, stay as long as they like, and then leave. Kind of like a, a, a few European countries. That's a European model. All right, so they want that. And now this is what's been stated by liberals, Democrats, a lot of Democrats, not all, but a lot, more than not. So let's just put it that way. Okay, so Medicare for all, which is the same as uh, single-payer health care. Unrestricted abortion, special gender rights, free tuition, government-controlled housing, Ms. Cortez, deep and dangerous defense cuts, a job-killing $15 an hour minimum wage, a guaranteed income for all, and more and more welfare spending. One would almost think that there's this plan to liberate, uh, to to obliterate free economy choices and and basic liberties from the Democrat Party. Imagine if I uh, we we have we have a, a restriction on free speech and that's called political correctness. For example, I can't say say uh, secretary. If I say secretary, well. I'm offended. I am a personal assistant or an executive assistant. I mean, goddamn secretary. All right. Um, you know, verbal, just, just almost any word that tends to be offensive to somebody is words that I shouldn't be able to use or I'm admonished for using. That's a violation of free, free speech right there. And, you know, that's just one example. So, Tomorrow's show is going to be about the subversion of America, how there is this group, this, I mean, and I think it's the Democrat Party that is making an, an attempt to destroy America, to bring America to its knees from within. Because, I mean, what – I mean, for me – I mean, it's a simple thing. It's just basic economics and common sense. $15 an hour minimum wage. I mean, even a 10-year-old can understand the concept if you have four people. If, I, if I'm an employee, Golden Jones Universal Media, which is one of my companies, and I have five employees – Four employees, and I'm forced to pay them $15 an hour minimum. When four, when the four were getting ten, that tells me. I mean, what what are liberals thinking? Are they saying that somehow I well I need to raise prices so that I could afford to pay them, or are they suggesting that I need to 
pay them out of my salary, what I what what's been earmarked for me. How do I how do we do that? Neither one of those things will happen in uh, uh, with your basic small business, which we all know and most agree, even liberals, that small businesses are the backbone of our economy. So we we you have to realize that $15 an hour minimum wage isn't going to work. People are going to lose their jobs. Because the first thing that I would do as an employer is eliminate a position or two so that I will be able to afford to pay the other two that $15 an hour, and I'll just make do. They'll, they'll wind up working harder to make up – to take up the slack for the two I had to get rid of. I'll have to work harder because I can't afford to raise my prices in order to pay the salary because I need to be concerned about my competitor lowering his prices to take away my business, and thus you know, my business will, would, would collapse. It's basic math and basic economics, but why did why do liberals push for it? Does it make sense to you? I mean, to even, even my liberal friends, does this make sense? A guaranteed income for all. How do you do that? Where does the money come from for a guaranteed income for all? Single payer health care. Where does that? Where does the money come from for, for for any of that? Meanwhile, the the, the Democrat Party's socialist progressive wing, ring, <laughs> wing, which now dominates, loves and hugs all of these ideas, and it's actively anti-capitalist. How does this – I mean if you – all the stuff that I, that I put out there that the Democrat Party and the socialist folks want, do you, think, you, don't, do you not think that that would wind up somehow uh, harming our economy and putting our country in jeopardy? I mean, really? It just doesn't make any sense. So the only thing that I can think of is that the Democrats want to weaken this country in some way or another, in some fundamental way. Because none of this stuff would be good for America in any way. We'll take a short break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones situation. People come to Internet Radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized, homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with Internet Talk Radio. Real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. 
Or let's just say that Internet Talk Radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet Talk Radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We Are America United is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse that will keep you riveted all day. Check out radio.waaumedia.com. I give way to the Honourable Gentleman. There is no doubt that the Prime Minister has in many ways achieved substantial success. There is is one statistic that I understand is not, however, challengeable, and that is that over her 11 years, the gap between the richest 10% and the poorest 10% in this country has widened substantially. How can she say at the end of her chapter of British politics that she can justify many people in a constituency such as mine being relatively much poorer, much less well housed, and much less well provided than it was in 1979? Surely she accepts that is not a record that she or any Prime Minister can be proud of. Mr. Speaker, all levels of income are better off than they were in 1979. But what the Honourable Member is saying is that he would rather the poor were poorer, provided the rich were less rich. That way you will never create the wealth for better social services as we have. And what a policy! Yes, he would rather have the poor poorer. That is a liberal policy. Yes, it came out. He didn't intend it to, but he did. I give way to the honourable gentleman. I'm extremely extremely grateful. The the, the Prime Minister is aware that uh, I detest every single one of her domestic policies and have never had that. And I think that the honourable gentleman knows that I have the same contempt for his socialist policies as the people of East Europe who have experienced it have it for that. I think I must have hit the right nail on the head when I pointed out that the logic of those policies are they'd rather have the poor poorer. Once they start to talk about the gap, they'd rather the gap were that. Down here. That. Not that. That. So long as the gap is smaller, so long as the gap Order. is smaller, they'd rather have the poor poorer. You do not create wealth and opportunity that way. You do not create a property-owning democracy that way. Come and show me that you're with it, with it, with it, with it. Stop playing, you know that. I'm worth it. 
liberals, gimme, gimme, I'm worth it. Gimme, 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 gimme. Oh, Dr. Jones, you got three cars, you got an SUV, you got a sedan, and you got that fabulous Mini Cooper. Man, you don't need all those cars. You can't drive but one at a time. Gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme. I don't have a car, but you do. You got more than one. So let me have one of your cars. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 Teller. I'm not taking pie from you. I'm giving pie to me. You see, I uh, I didn't have any pie, so I gave pie to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have any pie, so I'm not taking pie from you. I'm giving pie to, to me. me. Mm-hmm. I'm taking your pie, but I'm not pie from you. I'm giving pie to you. Hmm. I don't have any more mm. pie, and you do. You don't understand, mm-hmm. Teller. I'm not taking pie from you. I'm giving pie to me. Thanks for cutting that piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking mm. pie to me. This is what Democrats are about. Now, <clears throat> neither one of us has any pie. Nobody. So we'll find someone else who has pie. We won't take the pie from them. We'll give it to us. Now, where does Bill Gates live? Mm-hmm. Now, Penn and Teller explained it just, I mean, uh, uh, socialism for dummies. I'm not taking wealth from you, Dr. Jones. I'm giving wealth to me. No, 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 no. I'm not, no. I'm not taking wealth from you, Vivian. I'm giving wealth to me. So when I come to your house and I go through your cupboard, and put some stuff in my bag. I'm not taking stuff from you. I'm giving stuff to me. Oh, and my man Brian, when I came, when I came to your house the other day, and I pocketed some of your um some of your K cups, I wasn't I wasn't taking K cups from you. I'm a, I'm a Democrat socialist. I was giving K-Cups to me because you had a lot of K-Cups, and I didn't have any. So it's your right to give K-Cups to me. But you wouldn't give me any of your K-Cups, so I gave some of your K-Cups. To me, because I didn't have any. Now, when you run out, because I took most of your K-Cups, well, I'll just have to go over to Jessica's house, or Vivian's house, or Sylvia's house, or Brian, the other Brian's house. I have to go to Max's house to get some K-Cups, because 
y'all have K-cups. And I don't have any. So I'm going to have to give myself some of yours. Because I'm a Democrat socialist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me. Democrat socialist. I'm not taking from you. I'm giving to me. Yeah. Think about it. The next time you decide, any of you out there, any of my 256,000 listeners, that's how many I have so far, 256,000, I forgot the other numbers. I'm Remember, any of you out there, if, you, if you're running low on something, go over to one of your friends' house like I do. And don't take from them. No, give yourself something. Because I got a lot of K-cups. Because I gave K-cups to me. From them. We'll be right back. Please join Doc Jones as he kicks off primetime with the Sit Rat. Weekdays from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Dr. C. Robert Jones is a retired Marine officer with a PhD in history. He keeps up with the day to day events and analyzes and explains with historical facts and in an informed opinion. Gojo Media is dynamic and fresh. So please catch the situation choice every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Here's my question. When you see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, uh, when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism and whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, and what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? 
do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. Indeed. Indeed. That's Milton Friedman, um, the uh, famed um, economist who um, was interviewed by uh, Phil Donahue in the early 1980s. I don't know if you remember Phil Donahue, married to that girl's Marlo Thomas. I wonder how they're doing. Is Phil still alive? See, I, I don't even know if he's still breathing. I wonder. I'm going to look him up after the show. All right, so the Democrat socialist it girl, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who defeated 10-term Democrat incumbent, a 10-term Democrat incumbent in their Bronx, Queens congressional district. How embarrassing is that? Earlier this month, earlier Earlier, a couple of months, yeah, this month, who now outshines everybody because she's a Democrat socialist. Well, she effed up because apparently she is just another Democrat socialist airhead who has no idea. She's 26 years old. She has no idea how the real world works. You hear my dog barking out there? She has no idea how the real world works or how uh, the economy works, how uh, unemployment numbers are calculated, none of that. She doesn't have a clue. So with each progressing interview, she is more and more exposed as the ideologue – the novelist, the 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 novice that that of course a twenty six year old person is, I mean usually is when it comes to uh, geopolitics, uh, economic uh, politics, all of that stuff. She just seems to not know what the hell is going on, and you know what? I find it wholly amusing because she's now being touted as you know the face of the Democrat Party. She's the face of the Democrat Party. Yeah. And I find it to be wholly sad. We'll be right back. People come to Internet Radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized, homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with Internet Talk Radio. Real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed All right. and a great way to share ideas and debate. <laughs> well, let's just say that Internet Talk that Radio hosts don't get to before they go on the air. Now that we've gotten the dog silenced, we're back. I have a baby Rottweiler. 
although he is now up to what a hundred and uh, he's almost a hundred pounds now, maybe a little more uh, as of today, and he is less than you know he's about about eight months old, a little less than that. No, he's he's less than eight months old, but he is a handful, as you heard. And the only way to get him to shut up is for me to do exactly what I just did. And I'm glad y'all were here to listen. Now, I said that Ocasio was 26. She's actually 28. All right. So, listen. Talk about gaffes. First, she states that the reason why the unemployment number is so low is that everybody has two jobs. Everybody. So how does she know that? What? There is no quantification for that. There is no calculation for that. So she doesn't know that. She's just spouting words that have no actual meaning or substance. And then she went on to make a gaffe about Israel occupying Palestine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just gets worse from there. How is it even working out? How is she even going to how is she even going to uh, – I mean she's going to be a junior congressperson if she gets in. So she's not going to be able to, to affect any real change until she starts to move up the proverbial uh, ladder, uh, the, the hierarchy. And when she starts to move up, and that takes a number of election cycles and years before she's able to actually give any input at all. I mean, she'll be there to vote, you know, during roll call, but she's not going to be able to actually make a difference other than casting her vote yay or nay for this or that. And she'll be directed on how to vote every single time by somebody who's in a leadership position. She'll be whipped, if you know what that means. So that's what we have going on with regard to Ocasio and the Democrat Party. What we have, folks, is uh, socialism rearing its ugly head once again, and it's just gotten way out of hand. Take a listen. Democrats… And socialism. The Democrat socialism is still socialism, folks. They're just calling it something else. And I think it's amazing that we have that the Democrat Party has exposed itself. The call in number is six four six 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 eight eight six seven eight. I think we have a couple of callers on the line, or we have some folks who are listening in on their phones here. Um, and then we have quite a few folks in the chat room who are chatting about um, 
Democrats and socialism and that sort of thing. So if you if you have a mind to and you'd like to, just come on into the chat room because we I think the we're almost we've almost reached our limit here in our um blog talk radio uh chat room. So yeah. Come on in. And uh and join uh join in on uh, on what's going on. Take a listen to Ocasio Cortez and her um it's almost painful to listen to, really, but we're going to go ahead and listen to it again because we, we listened to it the other uh, yesterday, I think. And I know um, some of you didn't really get a chance to. Well, no, we I, I guess we can't because we're running out of time. It's almost time to go. Well, thanks, folks, for listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Um, I know there are um, many things that you could be doing, and you chose to come into my um, and listen to my program. A lot of you are listening to my program live which I really appreciate. We've got huge numbers after coming back after a two-year absence, and um, I certainly do appreciate that. It's very flattering. Um, as of today, uh, today's date, we have over 600,000 uh, listens, and um, just this month alone, um, listenership has been up by over 30,000, so thank you so much for coming in and listening to the show. I certainly do appreciate it, and I want to say... I know <laughs> I was just responding to uh, a reading uh, something in the chat room is very nice. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Well, anyway, thanks, folks. Good night. We're out. We have one minute and 56 seconds. So I'm gone. Have a good night, folks. Bye.
Yes, it is. 